0: This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. It may lead to a dysfunctional immune system, one that's either too active or not active enough. And this can result in more autoimmune diseases or greater propensity for illness. Trauma also influences the microglia, the brain's immune system. When in a high trauma reactive state, the microglia eat away at nerve endings instead of enhancing growth and getting rid of damage, because that's what they're supposed to do. Um, The microglia go haywire in the brain and cause depression, anxiety, dementia. And this can translate into genetic changes, which can be passed down to further generations. Okay, so some of you now are like, what? Did I come to a science lecture today? this is really important for us to understand we are whole bodied we talk about this a lot here at journey church that we're embodied people that god doesn't just care about your soul although he does care about your soul he actually cares about your body as well and our bodies are made to function in that what happens to you on a monday morning your body is also involved in and we got to take care of it all and the bible is a book that talks about um, these kinds of things You see, the problem is if we don't deal with our trauma, then we get a whole bunch, we get a whole bunch of um, symptoms that happen to us. Uh, And some of these you'll notice reflected in yourself. Lack of trust in others, high anxiety, depression, anger, irritability, nightmares, fearfulness, inability to connect with others, substance abuse, identification with death. What this sounds like is a list of our, if we can get that, the next slide. Uh, That sounds like a list of our society, doesn't it? Like, we're trying to blame things like I can't connect with anybody anymore because I'm too hooked onto my phone. No, none of us say that. We say because the people I know are too hooked on their phones and they can no longer connect with anybody. Uh, And we have an epidemic. We have an epidemic of depression and anxiety, which we try to pretend our way away. But a lot of this comes down to we have not dealt with the trauma in our lives. So the amazing thing about the Bible is that it is not just a collection of Of ideas and sayings it is a book that deals with people's stuff as it is and when you read it you can see that God doesn't he doesn't like just turn a blind eye to people's trauma or the stuff in their life he actually speaks to it so if you have your Bibles or you can follow on the screen let's look at Judges chapter 6 Judges chapter 6 this is one of my favorite stories you know um, if you've been here before you'll know that in this series, um, we're trying to look at Bible stories, because I think stories often teach us about what God is doing in our life right now. So this is, is Judges is in the beginning of the Old Testament. Let me just read it, the first six verses. It says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. For seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites, because the power of Midian was so oppressive. The Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. And whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and the other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them on their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midians so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Okay, so the bit of the background is... Israel has done evil in the eyes of the Lord. By the way, your trauma is not always caused by something you've done. But in this case, Israel had done wrong. And they find themselves in this really traumatic um, history. So for seven years, the Bible, and now I think, so I think we have a habit of often reading the Bible like in a sing-song voice. <laughs> I was just, oh yeah, they were just hanging out in caves for seven years. That's, I mean, people did that back then because they were wearing robes no they didn't nobody wants to you don't want to sleep in a cave tonight nobody in israel wanted to sleep in a cave tonight and they did this okay now do you remember when we were all at home two years ago we stayed in our beds some of you bought new beds you bought beds online i did i bought a bed online during the pandemic i did all the pandemic things but you already know this okay so we stayed in our beds and it was you know most of us had heat and things like that Israel was in a cave. The people were hanging out in caves for seven years. Okay, now, you know, it was so bad that every time they went out, now, they were an agricultural society. They didn't have a Sobes, They did not have co-op. There was nowhere to get food. The only way you got food is if you grew food. This is, I just, that, to me, right away, right there, because you know I'm so bad with plants, that is traumatizing in and of itself you don't make it, you don't eat it. Okay, so but every time they go out to plant their crops, Midian comes up and like, destroys the land. There were women having babies in these caves. There were were people getting sick in these caves. This is a nightmare, ladies and gentlemen. This is a nightmare that Israel is in. These six short sentences tell you that Israel was traumatized. If you had been seven years old when that started, you would have been 14 when it ended. Your growing and developmental years would have all been under this major pressure and trauma. And they took all their sheep and oxes and donkeys. This was the way that they lived. Can you imagine this? You get one little goat for yourself, and you're enjoying your goat milk in your cave. I mean, the cave is awful, but at least you got goat milk. And then you put that goat out to eat a little bit of grass. Nope, somebody takes it. You have that little donkey that's going to take you. I don't know what you're going to do with the donkey. They they hee-haw. They keep you away from cougars. Maybe there were cougars there, I don't know. But then the donkey, nope, the donkey, you have nothing. Can you imagine the level of frustration? And they had so many people, Midian, that they couldn't be counted. They were just hanging out by your den. They wasted the land. And all of this would have led to starvation, it would have led to fear, it would have led to oppression, and this is a long time to be under heavy siege. They would have been collectively traumatized. The people of God would have been collectively traumatized. And what happens when people are traumatized? I mean, this doesn't take rockets. Think about yourself. In the moments of your life where you've been under trauma, what happens? We lose hope. We lose vision for the future. You can't. Some of us are living under trauma right now, and when I say, like, what's your, what's your hope for the future? You just, you don't really know. We begin to internalize the external trauma. So we begin to identify with our own pain. Like it becomes, it's not something done to us, but rather it becomes ours. And we lose all sense of confidence. So the question becomes then, what does the Lord do for the people when they're in this kind of place? We're in this, in this place of traumatic um, pressure. And I think Judges chapter 6 lays out this amazing way that the Lord interacts with his people. And in some ways, this shows us how the Lord interacts with us. I'm, I'm not going to read the whole passage. We're going to read it just piece by piece. But I would encourage you to read Judges chapter 6 this week. So the people of God are under trauma. They're in trauma. They're under pressure. But it says, the Bible says that they call out to the Lord for help. And the first thing we see that God does when they're under pressure and under trauma like this is he hears them. In Judges chapter 6, verse 7, it says that he sends them a prophet. He sends them somebody. You know, um, I think the hard part for all of us when we're in a tough spot is we wonder if anybody cares. We wonder if anybody hears us bible is really clear though over and over judges chapter 6 is not the only time that we see this but over and over again throughout the bible when when god's people call out to him he hears them this is both um, like if you came to church today and thought wow that's rocket science god hears me but i want you to understand today how profound this is that the god of the universe the god who created the stars He hears you every time you call out to him. There has not been a time in your life, not a moment in your life, where you called out to God and he just said, I'm busy. He hears us. This is amazing. But he doesn't just stop with hearing us. There's this amazing scripture in Judges 6, verse 11. So the people of God, they're traumatized. They call out to him. He hears them. And then in verse 11, it says, the angel of the Lord, now this is a theological term that is used in the Old Testament that meant God Himself. So it's not just like God is not sending like his buddy, like, hey man, I'm busy right now, you could go down there and No, no, he himself, it says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joaz, Joash the Abazarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. To keep it from the Midianites. Okay, so a couple of things are happening in this verse. Can we get that scripture on there, please? Um, a couple of things are happening in this verse. Um, the angel of the Lord comes and sits down at the oak with Gideon. Now, Gideon, you are not supposed to thresh wheat, by the way, in a wine press. Okay, this this is a sign, This is a picture of trauma. Threshing wheat, a wine press was a small place. When you threshed wheat normally, you did that outside so that the wheat stuff wouldn't get into your, you like how I'm such a, really going to have a career in farming. and The wheat stuff didn't get into your throat. Some of you can come set me straight after this. But when you would, in a wine press, that was a small enclosed space. This wouldn't have been good for Gideon's health. And Gideon, we know from scripture, is a young man. He didn't bring any of this on him. He's the son of somebody. And God, in the middle of his trauma and his pressure, doesn't say, now, Gideon, here are the 75 things you must do. Get to it, buddy. Because sometimes I think that's how God is, that's how we think God is with us. Like here's your ta- okay, great, great job coming to church today. Now here's the 45 other things you gotta get straight. God is not a self-help guru. Can we just squash that? He's not like trying to make you better, a better version of yourself. He's trying to bring you back to who he created you to be in the first place. Not a better version of you. What's amazing is that God comes and he sits under this. He just sits with him. In the Old Testament, whenever you see somebody sitting, it means dignity. God's sitting with Gideon in his trauma. And I I want you to know that no matter what you've been through that the god who hears you is also the god that sits with you have you ever been in a place before where you're like just in a bad spot and you get the friend like job's friend and if you don't know the same if you've never read job before job's friends are the worst they come and give him it's in the middle of the bible some of you might call it job it does look like job and they did the worst job at being job's friends see how i did that there see how i did that (laughs) okay job's friends came and told him the 95 things he was doing wrong and god rebuked them for that and we see this in judges chapter 6 that god just sometimes sometimes you don't need somebody to tell you how you got to get fixed up you just need somebody to sit with you say this is the worst doesn't that feel better when someone just says this is the worst i'm so sorry some of us got to get good at that ourselves. As Christians, we need to come along people who have had trauma, and we don't need to, like, fix them all up. We just have to say, sit with them. And God sits with Gideon. It's this amazing picture. And then, um, but he doesn't just sit with them. Because how many of you know that there's a season to sit, and then there's a season, you know, you got to, God wants us whole. And then Gideon, God responds to Gideon in this really kind of comical way. He says in verse 12, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Okay, so let's just go back a a step. Gideon's in a wine press threshing the wheat. He's not exactly looking like a mighty warrior. He's kind of looking like the opposite of a mighty warrior. One of the things that happens to us when we are immersed in trauma is that we forget who we are. I would venture to say that there are many of us here today who've forgotten who we are. And the God, the same God, the same God of Isaac, Abraham, Jacob, the same God of Gideon, is a God who sits with you in your pain today and wants to remind you of who you are. That he does not see you as a broken down, jalopy of a person. He says, I see who I made you to be. And Psalms tells us that you are a masterpiece. No matter who you are, no matter what you've walked through, and God speaks that to you today and calls that out of you. About 10 years ago, um, Dave and I took a couple hundred kids to camp and um, it was a really special time in our lives, a really um, special time in our, in our ministry lives. And I'll never forget this one service. You had kids that were broken down, who had been kicked. And we did this little service um, in a, kind of a room like this. And the kids kind of shouted out to us things that they had been told they were kids said things like, ugly, pain in the butt, also swear words that I won't repeat today. (laughs) And then um, we put these little tags on them. They they had come in with these tags. We'd put them on at the beginning of the service and then we used a blue light because it was kids and you have to have fun things like this. And they came up to the front and we shone that blue light on them. And it was like God did this really miraculous thing for the kid that said they'd been called ugly somehow they got the tag that said beautiful for the kid that said that they were the pain in the butt they got the tag that said you mean something and you're special this is the god we serve who takes what the world has hurt what we've heard in the world maybe you haven't heard it maybe you didn't have a traumatic childhood but maybe you know there's the difference between big t trauma and little t trauma both of them are trauma though because if you've got a thousand little t traumas you can bleed out as a person because of a million small things because your boss keeps telling you that you're no good at your job but our god is a god who takes what we have hurt and exchanges it this is why the bible says that he gives us beauty for ashes The 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 joy for mourning. He he's a God who exchanges. He does a great exchange with us, and in this text, he does this exact same thing with Gideon. Gideon is threshing the wine in the in the wine press. He's threshing the wheat in the wine press. Do you know you're threshing wheat in a wine press? You're thinking our family's the worst, and we know this from subsequent chapters of Judges. That Gideon actually believes he's the worst. That he's not strong. That he's not powerful. And yet god calls him mighty warrior i want to dare to say today that god is calling some of you mighty warrior today he's calling you who he always knew you were and some of us have forgotten who we were we've forgotten because we've lived through so much pain and trauma i want you to hear the voice of god again today calling you by name and then um, god commissions gideon in this in this small little section in verse 14, it says, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save, out, save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? See, it's one thing for somebody to say really nice things about you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. This is a, yes, yeah, so I've, been, I've been high maintenance lately, haven't I? <laughs> I've been choking and coughing and, oh, all right. <sighs> It's one thing for God to, or someone to say something nice about you. Like, for instance, if I told you, you know what, you are amazing. You are such a good driver. You you are an amazing driver. And then you ask me to borrow my car. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Um, Probably. Actually, no. No, you cannot borrow. Like, I like to really encourage my son. He got his license this week. Be afraid, but. Um, And now I'm nervous still to drive with them, even though the government has said I can. (laughs) Sorry, Julian. Um, But for a lot of us, I want you to see something. When God asks you to do something, it's not because he needs your help. God doesn't need you to greet people at the door. God does not need you in the nursery. He does not need your help to tell people about himself. He's God. But in fact, what he's doing when he asks us to partner with him, he's saying, I see you. You are a masterpiece. I believe you can do something. I actually believe in you. That's why when we say, it is our privilege to serve. It is my privilege to be able to serve God's people in whatever way he asks me to, because that does something on the inside of me. Can you see that? Because, because I'm actually getting in agreement with God saying, uh, greetings, mighty warrior, when I'm not really feeling like a mighty warrior. I, I'm getting in agreement with God that says, you are a masterpiece, and you certainly can do the battle I've called you to do. Some of us, so we, we maybe heard God say good things about us, and then when he asks us to do something, we think, well, that's not fair. I thought, I thought this was no strings attached. Well, it is no strings attached but the way that we actually internalize that thing that he's saying to us is by actually going out and doing it i've told you this before but like i was the shyest person ever ever i'm still kind of shy which is i know you don't believe me but this is a true fact about me um i sometimes think how, how did i ever g-? but you know i was probably 21 and the lord said you're going to preach my word you're going to preach my word till the end of your days okay the fact that i get up here every week and tell you i'm just it's I, i'm just getting in line with what the lord has spoken to me and every time i do that it's not for me it's it's because i'm reminded of who god made me now god has made you in a different way how are you getting in line with what god is speaking to you this is how we deal with our trauma we hear the voice of god <laughs> and we agree with him in our actions The next thing, by the way, Judges chapter 6 is perhaps the most trauma-informed chapter in the Bible. It's like trauma-informed, all the psychotherapists in the room, you know what I'm saying. It's amazing that God's word speaks to us like this, though. That it is not just like hoobly-goobly, like a bunch of five stories that we can teach our kids. It actually changes our lives. Okay, so the, the next thing we see is that God is patient with Gideon. And he waits for him to feel safe. Um, in verse 23, it says this, but the Lord said to him, peace, don't be afraid, you're not going to die. And then it goes on, Gideon has all these crazy antics. He, um, he actually is the one that, you, have you ever heard the vernacular, he laid a fleece? Before we find this from Judges chapter 6, this is where we get that saying from. Gideon lays out the fleece and says like God I'm not sure if it's you maybe it's you I'm not sure if it's wet when I get up in the morning and the ground's dry then I'll know it's you and then he like and then it works and then he's like well I'm not really sure if the, how about if the fleece is dry and the ground's wet like he goes through all this wild stuff and God just sits there he doesn't get mad at him Gideon is worried that God is going to kill him in Judges chapter 6 he actually says this God doesn't kill him he just waits there's this idea that god is more concerned with our safety <laughs> Bessel van der Kolk, in the body keeps the score said the ability to feel safe is probably the most important aspect of mental health you see when we grow up in family dynamics that make us feel unsafe unvalidated or our feelings in our feelings or experiences we can struggle to move past personal and familial trauma. Uh, this is really true for all of us. But the thing about God is that he's patient with us. He's patient with you. He knows what you've been through. He's so patient. This is like, this is an, he nev- he's never going to get mad at you because you can't get it all figured out. Because you don't have like all your ducks in a row yet and the, finally maybe to conclude today says that he brings him peace god's patient with him he's, he he calls him by name he calls him what he is he commissions him he's patient with him and then he brings him peace in verse 24 it says so gideon built an altar to the lord there and called it the lord is peace I had read this scripture probably hundreds of times. I'd never noticed this verse before. The greatest thing that we can have in the middle of our trauma, traumatic lives, is that the God of peace would come and bring us his peace. And Gideon, in the middle of all of his, like, ups and downs and sideways, and the story goes on and on and on. It's it's a wild, wild story. The amazing thing is is that God brings him peace in the middle of it. I'm going to invite the band just to come back. This morning, I believe that God wants to bring all of us peace like this. He wants to bring us that supernatural, Holy Spirit inspired peace, no matter what we're doing, no matter what what we've gone through. And I I want to suggest that, that the church our church needs to be a place where we actually are safe to deal with our stuff Hmm. nobody wants to come like i don't want to come to church every week where we just fill chairs up and get a golden star for coming how many of you would say yeah like i i actually want a community where i where i'm able to deal with my stuff yes yeah the first way that we do that is we say god like i i have stuff and that's not less spiritual, that's actually honest, right? Where we say, I got stuff, I got stuff. You know, in the suburbs, we do a funny thing. We work really hard, like so hard, like for some of us, it's like a full-time job covering up our stuff, trying to pretend we don't have stuff. But I think part of our, part of our job as Christians is to remind ourselves I got stuff that God's got to work on. And every day that we get up is this opportunity to say, God, could you help me work through my stuff? You know, um, in a minute, I'm just going to give you an opportunity to um, to come and be prayed for, because I think there's something really, really important about us being being prayed for. There's something about saying, yeah, I got, you know, because you know what I want to do? I'm going to tell I'm just going to square with you. You know what I want to do? I got stuff, I'll deal with it myself. Are any of you else like that? Just me. You guys are quite a quiet bunch today. Just me? Everybody else is like, you're going gonna, to, you just naturally work on it. But I am not good at needing other people. I'm the worst at it. Because I, I, I somehow have this, like, wrong idea that if I admit I have stuff, that that will sort of be like a blemish on me. Does anybody else live in that world? Because you want to be strong. But here's the thing, nobody cares that you're strong, nobody cares that I'm strong, nobody cares. Nobody cares that you have stuff, you've got stuff. You've had hurt. People have done you wrong. Yep, we're human. And the point of a community like this is that we work through that together. So in a minute, I'm gonna invite the prayer team to come, and I'm, I'm gonna give you a minute, because I know that if it was me sitting in these chairs, I'd have to be like, really think through, like, am I really gonna deal with my stuff? Am I really gonna, I just have to, so I'm gonna give you fighting time with yourself. You can fight yourself for a few minutes. <laughs> We're gonna have a prayer time. Now, I, I believe God can do miracles, that he can heal our trauma, in an instant, I do. I believe that with every fiber in my being. He's done that for me many times, but I also know that some of the way God works in our lives is through process. Okay, so He He does. It's a good first step, but this week um, I, we are going to invite all of us. Now, all of us probably can't join, but we're going to begin um, a, a group. And um, I've lost its freedom sessions. Thank you. And freedom sessions are a way that we can actually work through our trauma. It's an eight-week course i would just i know that we had small groups sign up and some of you've already signed up for small groups and maybe it's not the right time but for others of you here you could you can actually even as i begin to talk about this you actually know that you need you need to do some work you need to get yourself to freedom sessions and it's going to be a safe environment where we work through our things and this is how we get to looking more like jesus this is how we get to looking more like him. This is how we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us so that when he does commission us, we're able to say yes. So I would encourage you this. You know, in, in the grand scheme, people are always saying to me, Jess, like what's what's your and Dave's vision for the church? Here's here's my vision. <laughs> that we would find Jesus and that we would get whole so that we could help other people find Jesus and get whole. Like there's no rocket science for it. And part of the way we get whole is praying with each other. And part of the way we get whole is by leaning into community with one another. So some of you didn't join a small group and I think it was of the Lord. You were feeling bad about it because today's your day to sign up for your small group for the next eight weeks, okay? It's just gonna be out in the foyer. But um, I wanna pray for you right now. The Abel's gonna sing a song. Here's how it's gonna happen. I'm gonna pray for you. Abel's going to sing a song and then I'm going to call the prayer team. When Abel's done singing, the prayer team's going to come. Listen, if you're here and you're dealing with trauma in your life, okay, so that could be anything. It could be a big T trauma. It could be little T trauma, like I have an annoying coworker and I'm, I'm having ungodly thoughts toward them. It <laughs> could be big T or little T. It doesn't matter, but you have unresolved trauma that you know you need the Lord to come and sit with you in. You know you need him to speak to you in. I am going to encourage you with every fiber in my being to move yourself, to have somebody praying for you. I, I'm, we're gonna have people being prayed. We won't leave until everybody's been prayed for. But I, I, I really wanna implore you to come allow God to be part of that. Let him speak to you and don't do it alone. So, Jesus, I thank you for every one of my friends here today. God, you've seen every hardship that they've walked through. God, you've seen every unfair thing. You've seen every difficult thing. And, God, we know that you sit with us when we call on you. So, God, I pray that you would give them courage You'd give them courage now to take your hand and to deal with the hard things. Because, God, we want to be made whole. We want to be made whole so that others can know you and know the wholeness you bring. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.